Football Unknown. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to a new episode of Football Unknown Podcast. I am your host, Kirill Rosary. If you're new to the channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button, like the video if you, if you like it. And today, we have a special guest, man. What's up, everyone? Isaiah Reed. Yep. So, so before we start the podcast, Isaiah, like, give everyone like a brief, a brief intro about yourself, like where you're from, your age, and stuff like that. Yeah, so uh, I'm Isaiah Reed. I'm from Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm 21. And uh, yeah. Hey, everyone. Before we kick off this week's episode, I would like to announce that Football Known is now officially sponsored by New Tempo, a brand new apparel company that is dedicated to improving the accessibility of the beautiful game to all here in the U.S. They have just launched their all-performance tee for both men and women. And I think they're beautiful to train in. I personally like their accessibility, their elastic recovery, and their resistance. New Tempo is donating 10% of all earnings to the U.S. Soccer Foundation that provides children who live in underserved communities, enabling them to thrive in an active and healthy lifestyle through soccer. So make sure to check them out before the shirts run out. And be sure to use the code UNKNOWN to get $5 off your order while supplies last. Now let's hop back into it. We have a lot to talk about today, man. And um, I think, bro, I, I remember my senior year of high school, probably maybe even my junior year of high school, like the only reason why I followed Clemson was because of you. And like, man, fast forward like two, three years later, and like I'm like, we're sitting down talking, talking to each other, man, this is like a dream right right now. So um, let's, let's start this, man. Like what, when did you fall in love with the game of soccer? I think I fell in love with the game when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. So um, my biggest influence was probably my older brother, Josh. Okay. He's, uh, he's five years older than me. Yep. And I started playing soccer when I was two, actually. Wow. Um, but I started playing competitively when I was six. Okay. And so me getting to go to his, you know, travel soccer games when I was like four and five, you know, I just loved the sport so much. And then when I finally got to play competitively when I was six, mm-hmm. I just fell in love with it. Really? Yeah. So when, when you were six, what, what club did you play for? Like, like, was it like a, like a travel or like reg? What, what was it? Yeah. So it was my local club, Discovery Soccer Club in Rock Hill. Mm-hmm. It, it was a travel team. Um, they're now called Charlotte Independence. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's who I played for from six to age 14. Nice. Yeah. And how was it like, you know, being introduced to the game, right? Cause at that age, you know, you're still young, you're still, you're still learning the rules and stuff like that. So how was that experience for you? It was a really good experience. Like I said before, like my brother was my biggest influence into getting into the game. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything that I knew and everything that I taught really w- w- was stemmed from my brother. Mm-hmm. So he, he was a huge influence for me. Okay. Yeah. So... How many, and then you spent what, like six, seven, eight, nine? Okay, so you spent a good, a good amount of years over yeah. there. So after that, what was what's the next step? So after I was at Discoveries for about eight years, okay, um, my eighth grade year, um, I went to Charlotte Soccer Academy, and okay. I went to go play in their developmental academy program. Mm-hmm. And for people who may not know what that is, um, DA is pretty much like it was like the highest level of youth soccer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's kind of split in between MLS Next and ECNL. Yep. But at the time, DA was was that league that had you know MLS academies and other top non-MLS clubs, uh-huh. and so I moved there for better opportunities um, to get D1 looks, youth yep. national team mm-hmm. looks, and so I was there from 8th grade until I graduated high school. Okay, and how, how far how far was it from where you lived? Um, My 8th grade year, it was like an hour, okay. hour drive up there, oh, so um, not too bad, but you yeah. know, not ideal, mm-hmm. um, but they ended up... Uh, building a brand new complex uh, by the time I was like a sophomore, junior. So, so it was closer um, to you? It was closer. Point? It was like 25 minutes. So it wasn't bad. Yep. Yeah. So how did how did you end up playing for them? What, did you did they see you or, or did you have to like try out or something like that? Yeah, so I had to try out. So after or when the DA really started getting popular uh, for my age group, mm-hmm. you know, my parents and I saw it as an opportunity for yep, me absolutely. to get a better opportunities. Yep. And so I had to go to a tryout. And it was honestly like pretty nerve-wracking because I was making a big step from you know, being, you know, a big fish in a little pond, you mm-hmm. know, going to, you know, a bigger club. So it was definitely pretty uh, nerve wracking. What was the difference, right? So playing for your, your travel team and then now playing for DA, because at the time, like you said, it was like one of the, it's like an academy, yeah. right? Yeah. So how, like, how was the difference? What was the difference you found? I think the difference was the the speed of play and the mm. standard and the level. Yep. It, it was everything was at a higher level the from from you know the coaching the players yeah. you're in constant competition for spots mm-hmm. everything was just more cutthroat you know when yeah. when you're at your local club it's uh it's a little more comfortable 
and you can kind of you know do stuff and yeah, do your own thing. Yeah, get used to it. And yeah, but uh, when you went to an academy, it's like you know you're you're always on your toes. You're always on your toes. You're grinding. So mm -hmm. yeah. And then what what position? Because we talked about this in the car, <laughs> and I could not believe. So like, what what position were, were you playing, man? Back at that time. So uh, before I went to Charlotte Soccer Academy, mm -hmm. I was playing. I was actually playing cam. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah. you know, a lot of people play cam, you know, at their well, local yeah, clubs, you, yeah, know, and, you know, you know, just for the fun. But mm -hmm. I, I started off my career pretty much as a left mid, left, left wing. Okay. Um, played cam my last year at my club. Then I went to Charlotte Soccer Academy and I was playing left wing in cam. I started the first game of the season uh, as a cam for okay. the academy team. I was like, all right, you know, yep, I'll be playing yep. cam. Mm -hmm. Moved out to left wing. And so at the end of the season, they were trying to look at me for youth national team looks. And the youth national team scout was pretty much like, if you want to shout, you're going to have to start playing left back. Um, really? Pretty much. Um, they pretty much didn't see me as good enough as a left winger. So mm -hmm. I started to try and adapt my game. And so going into my freshman year, that's when I really started playing left back nice. um, at Charlotte and pretty much played there the whole season. Rotate a little bit between left back and left wing, but mm -hmm. primarily left back. And that's when I did get a call up um, to a U16 uh, national team futures camp. Um, and I played left back there. Nice. It was a very humbling experience. Yep. <laughs> first time uh, <laughs> first time playing left back against some real competition. Some of those guys were smoking me. Uh, I'll, I'll be the first to admit. But yep. it was a good learning experience. Mm -hmm. uh, played left back um, pretty much from there. And then my senior year, um, I played left wing back because we okay. played three five two. Yep. Um, I was recruited. Oh. Yeah, three five two. Yep. Wing back, bro. Oh my ton gosh. of fitness, ton of running. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, but then uh, I was recruited uh, by Clemson pretty much as a left back. Really. Um, and played there my first two seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I ended up moving up to left wing, and mm -hmm. so I played winger pretty much my whole wow. time at Clemson. So. So let's check back and let's let's try to break this down, right? Because a lot of players, man, when, like even when they hear when they hear you know advice from coaches, whatever you know, maybe you should move on to this position, move on to this position. They you know they're always stubborn and they don't really want to. How was it for you, like getting that advice from one of those top coaches, right? Your youth national team coach, and like telling you, hey, man, you should probably try playing left back. Like how did how did you process that, and how were you able to be like, okay, I get it. Let me try and work my game to be to be played to be more of a left back. Yeah, I think. I think it all kind of goes down to your humility as a player and your coachability. Mm -hmm. I think those are two things that are qualities that would tell a lot of youth players that you need to have. Yep. So I think those are two of my biggest assets um, because being humble enough to to know that there's ways for you to get better mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you got to be able to take constructive criticism Absolutely. for you to be able to get better yep and i think that really helped me in the process and growing my versatility because the mindset that you know i had and i feel like a lot of ballers should have is to be on the field absolutely so it doesn't matter if i'm playing cam mm -hmm. left wing left back playing striker in the national championship it don't matter it doesn't matter you need to be on the field and yep. you need to be able to adapt and, you know, innovate and, you know, get better in whatever position you're asked of. So nice. I think having that mentality mm -hmm. of, you know, having that humility and coachability really helped me to adapt to whatever position. Nice. And like, what, what are some things that you had to work on? Right. Because your whole your whole life, man, you're, you're, you're a attacker, right? You're playing cam, you're playing on the wing. What are some things that you realize that you have to change in order to be a successful wing back? Yeah. And. First off, I'd probably say 1v1 defending. Okay. Um, if, if you're a wing back, you know, full back, you have to be good 1v1 defending. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, especially you're going up against tricky wingers, yep. um, especially, you know, I would know playing winger, you have to be good 1v1 uh, defending. Yeah. Um, not only 1v1 defending, but your positioning. Um, you know, being able to see the ball yep. and the man at the same time, mm -hmm. talking oh, with your yeah. center backs. It, it's tough. And like I said before, that, that first uh, U16 camp that I was at, it was uh, – it was definitely an awakening yeah. Um, because from a 1v1 defending standpoint, I was going up against wingers who were the best wingers in the nation, essentially. Absolutely. And yep. so it was definitely a learning experience. So I think that that right there is uh, 1v1 defending is probably one of the biggest things I had to adjust to. Okay. And then so how, how did, you know, the youth national team even get to see you, right? Like, like even the very first time, you know, when, when you had to talk with the coach, how did, how did that happen? Yeah, so that's, that's honestly why I give a lot of credit to Developmental Academy because – 
at there's there's different youth national team scouts that come to certain games mm-hmm. so you're always being scouted and evaluated by youth national team coaches okay um so about like every other five games you would probably have like a technical director of the u.s national team come to your games and they're constantly scouting players nice. so that's what i thought was dope about the da like it was high competition absolutely but there was national team scouts coming yeah. to about 30 percent of yep. your games it's exposure exactly. exposure yep and then there was also like these regional um youth national team camps okay um that you know they'd have them in carolina virginia they're a little bit more regional so you got looks there as well but you know coaches were constantly looking yeah absolutely um, so, yeah. and how was the camp environment right because right you're playing for an academy but then when you go to these camps it's like so many players limited time to like you know show what you got right yeah. you have a, a day or two max like how is that environment for a kid for people wondering yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty cutthroat, um, especially starting off mm-hmm. because you're coming from a certain environment, especially when you come from a non-MLS academy. Um, uh, I think oh, yeah. I think it can be a huge adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty cutthroat. But after the first two days, once you start getting acclimated, it's you just got to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you got to have exactly. fun with it. Exactly. And it's easier when you start making friends and making connections with mm-hmm. a lot of the other guys there. Yep. You start getting more comfortable and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely cutthroat. It's, yep. it's a hard environment. And, you know, you got to have a really strong mentality to exactly. be able to thrive in there. Yep. So. And how, how long was it? Like, was it two days, three days, was it a week? I think it was maybe four. Four, four, four days? Four or five days. So it was yep. like a week. Okay. Um, but, yeah. All right. And then so after the first time the coach came to see you and then so you went back, right? Readjusted your game the second time when you got the call up. How how did you feel, man? How did you feel when you got the U16? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it, it was a really good feeling because, you know, the first time that, you know, the the U.S. national team scout saying, you know, maybe not good enough as a left wing or, mm-hmm. or I'm not good enough as a left wing. I yep. got to do more. Yep. And so I kind of took that as, all right, well, I, I got to be better. Absolutely. Simple as that. Yep. And as a left back, I, I trained and I worked hard and, you know, I, I was my end product, my crossing as well. And the attacking uh, side of the ball got a lot better. Yep. And I ended off my freshman year that season with like eight goals and four assists as, nice. a, left, as a left back. Wow. That's good. And so that's after, then I got the call off right after that. Yep. So, it was it was a nice testament to uh, you know what I've been working on, mm-hmm. um, but after the camp, like I said before, it, it was a little bit rough for me. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, but you know I took it as a learning experience. But I didn't get another youth national team call up after that. Yep. So you know for me from a mental standpoint, it's yes I've improved as a left back, but just like the first time, I gotta get better. You gotta get better. Absolutely. I gotta get better, and yep. so I, I did get better, and to the point where I was able to get recruited by Clemson. So nice. you know it came around that way. Yep. And how how long after that camp did did it? you get that re- recruitment from Clemson so it happened extremely fast so after my freshman year um it was the summer I think it was in June mm-hmm. um I got the um national team call up I think it was in May it was in May okay and I went to the Clemson ID camp in June okay and so I went there as a freshman after my freshman year I was like I mean like I'm just going for exactly, fun exactly, nothing's yeah. gonna come out of it I'm just gonna go just for the banter you know mm-hmm. and freshman year I, freshman year okay and at Clemson the way they do do their ID camp this is what I promote to a lot of young players who want to play at Clemson is that in their ID camps, they have all-star games and they have three all-star games throughout the camp. Okay. And in those all-star games, the top players of the camp will play against the Clemson players. Oh, Yeah. Okay. And so the coaches of Clemson, they're yep. literally actively watching players from the all-star game to see who they can bring yep. into the team. And can they, can they fit the intensity, right? Okay. Exactly. And so... I, I performed very well um, in the All-Star Games. And, you know, after that, I ended up going on a visit at the start of my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And I'm from Rock Hill, South Carolina. So I'm, I'm a local guy. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of starting my recruiting process. I didn't know. But wow. being at Clemson, I've always wanted to be at Clemson. And they ended up offering me. And I committed my sophomore year. Wow, your right sophomore year of high sophomore school. Sophomore year. I, there wasn't anywhere else that I wanted to go. So. Mm-hmm. When they offered me, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to take it. And how did it feel? How, like, how did it feel? How did, you know, the family take it, right? Like, s- sophomore year of high school, man, and first, you know, offer was Clemson, one of yeah. the biggest programs in the U.S., man. Yeah. How, did, how did they feel after that? It, it was an humbling experience um, because after, you know, a lot of, you know, the adversity that I was going through, you know, with the national team and Absolutely. stuff like that. Absolutely. And, you know, really moving to CSA to develop as a player, mm-hmm. um, seeing that, 
I got an offer from a top D1 program, it was amazing. Absolutely. And me being from South Carolina, I think it meant a lot more mm -hmm. um, just because, like, you know, that's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a hometown exactly, guy. Exactly, exactly. Um, the family was super proud. All of my friends, um, Rock Hill, South Carolina, growing up, it wasn't a very big area for soccer. Okay. But one thing that people from Rock Hill do know is about Clemson. And mm, so when I committed yeah, to Clemson, all the people in my area, the whole community, it was like, okay, this dude's actually a big deal. Exactly. Because before, you know, I, I was doing my thing. A lot of my friends played football and basketball. They uh, didn't know about soccer. But yeah, it's like, exactly. oh, you're playing soccer, you're good, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know? whatever, yeah. But when I committed to Clemson, it was a huge deal. Sophomore so, year, too. Sophomore year. So it was a really humbling experience. So I definitely took it all in. So wow. it was great. So what, do you guys, like, keep in touch, you know, like the last two years of, of your high school? Yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah, so it was a verbal commitment, and okay. so we we would uh, be on phone calls, just mm. keeping touch until yep. um, my junior year, and then my senior year, I was I was able to sign. So nice. Yeah. Okay, so now moving into Clemson, huge fan base. Yeah. We all know that. You know, big program. Yeah. How did it feel getting into that program and adjusting to everything? Yeah. So getting there, that 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 was the fun part, but uh, being there initially. It was tough. Okay. I think my freshman season was probably one of the hardest seasons that I've had to deal with in, okay. in my life as a footballer. Really? Talk to me about that. Yeah, so kind of the similar similar thing that I said before, going from Discoveries to CSA and their DA program, Yeah. it was on a much larger scale. Um, ah. You know, going to a top D1 program. Absolutely. Um, you know, performance was dipping. Um, a lot of people say the freshman curve. Um, ah. because you start really hot mm -hmm. and then throughout the season it kind of just dips and one thing for me that I've never dealt with really before in my whole life as a footballer was a lack of confidence okay my confidence was completely shot my freshman year why what, what, what do you think it was it had to do with just going into a, an environment where I was experiencing real adversity uh. I think my in terms of my whole life as a footballer you know, being at Discoveries, you know, I was kind of the guy, you know, okay. I, being at Charlotte, I had a little adversity, you yep. know, in yep. the beginning, yep. but then after a few years, I was kind of the guy there, mm -hmm. you know, not too much, but going to, Clemson, going to Clemson, it was real adversity. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm into sessions with top quality players. Most of the team from that 2019 team, I think they're all pro now. So I'm going in to- Damn, with like- Top players from in the top country at that time, the man. They're, they're all pro now. Yep. And so I'm going in, you know, I'm making a mistake, and the level is at a level I've never played at before. Mm -hmm. And everything kind of came in. The, the conditioning, the fitness was at a higher level. The, the technical abilities that yeah. you need to have was at a higher level. The tactical, the physical, everything is just at a higher level. And it took me a while to adjust. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I will say that sometimes, you know, when something went to go my way, then something else would happen. I would take a bad touch, and uh, then a yeah. bunch of things were happening. Yeah. And then I remember I got my first start for Clemson against – it was against uh, USC Upstate. Okay, and it was your freshman year, true. My freshman year, so I got a start, you know. What position? Left, 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 back. left, left back, back still, right? So okay. pretty good, and then I kind of switched off on one play, and then I turned over a pass. Yeah. Then I turned over another pass, and then things uh, started just going – started falling from there. Started going from bad to worse, and yep. I think – from a mental standpoint, I was just mentally too weak. Simple as that. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to say it. From a mental standpoint, I just wasn't where I needed to be okay. um, to be a, at a top D1 program. Mm -hmm. My confidence was low, and um, I didn't really play much the rest of the season. Uh -huh. I think I played a total of eight games the whole season. Yep. Um, and it, it was a huge adjustment. And after that season, I came back um, second semester freshman year, and um, COVID ended up happening. Oh, so ah, that was the season before COVID. Yeah, that was the season right before COVID. Okay. Um, and COVID actually is what helped me transform into a oh. completely different player. Okay. Um, so I'm extremely thankful for that. Um, I ended up getting a mentor um, who really helped me to switch my game from the mental side of things. Uh. And from being such an unconfident player with, you know, lack of confidence, a weak mentality – I was able to to switch everything during that COVID time. Nice. Um, and like I tell, I told a lot of young footballers already, I want to be able to challenge them to be better. And I had to recognize that what I was doing at Clemson wasn't enough to uh, be at the level 
and to achieve the dreams that I wanted to Absolutely. achieve. Absolutely. And so fitness, started doing more running. Technical stuff, started training more on my own. Tactical, I started watching the game, not just watching football, but watching football with a critical eye. Seeing mm. what players are doing off the ball as well as on the ball. Yep. Their different movements, all that type of stuff. And then mental mental training. Yep. You know, watching different videos, um, working with my mentor, mm -hmm. and just improving my game. And I remember I came back that sophomore summer. I was fit, you know, technically I, I was at a high level. Wow. Tactically, you know, I was starting to really see the game in a different way. And mm -hmm. I, t I tell a lot of players this, once the confidence comes and once the tactical awareness starts to come, the game starts to slow down. It's ah. not 100 miles an hour anymore. Yep. Everything's not spinning. The game slows down. You mm -hmm. become a lot more comfortable. And that's how it was my sophomore year. Started getting a little bit more playing time. Nice. Started featuring a little bit at left wing as well because – you know, the coach saw my improvement, so he was trying to get me on the field. Yep. Our left back was solid, but he was like, you know, Isaiah, he's really shown improvement. Let's get him on the field as a left winger. Yep. And so I was getting more minutes and more minutes. We ended up winning the ACC championship that nice. year. Okay. And I was able to contribute to that. Yep. And then after that fall, we had both of our wingers go pro. So mm. um, Kamarni Smith, amazing player, um, he went pro, drafted to D.C. United. Oh, nice. And Grayson Barber, our other winger, amazing player as well, he was signed homegrown to Sporting Kansas City. Nice. Shout um, out to these guys. Eh? Yeah, shout out to them as well as Robbie Robinson. He's probably one of the best strikers I've ever played with. Wow. He's He got the Matt Kerman trophy um, in that 2019 season, but the whole front line was gone. And so after being a left yeah. back, I had featured at left wing, and so coach was like, all right. Hey, man. Here's, here's, your here's your chance. Here's your chance. And so, you know, you know, I tell a lot of people, whenever you're going through that grind, it's about keeping a strong mentality because mm -hmm. you got to be prepared for any blessings that come your way. Absolutely. And so that's what I was doing that whole COVID and sophomore season, just staying prepared and staying ready for any opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so that, that spring season, uh, you know, that was, I was ready. That's when I really started coming into that position. Absolutely. First game of the season, scored a goal and an assist in my debut at left wing again, wow. against Syracuse. Yep. And from that moment on, you know, I started becoming a left winger. Mm -hmm. And sophomore season, still second semester, still had to grow um, as a player. I still wasn't, you know, near the player that I was near the end of my college career. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, from a mental standpoint, you know, I got the position, but it's about innovating from a position of strength. Absolutely. So now that I'm in that starting position, yep. how, how can I get better as a, as a starter? Yep, yep. And so I took that summer to really improve my game from a technical standpoint. How can I improve as a winger? And I came back that junior year, and that was my breakout year. Nice. Um, so so b before, before you get into that, yeah. right, coming, you know, your sophomore year and then your junior year, do you see that? The freshmen's coming into Clemson, right? And because, you know, the program's so big and, and, you know, they expect a lot from you, do you think that it had, that happens to, a, like, a good number of freshmen coming in? Or do you think it was just, like, it's, like, rare? I think that happens – what happens to a lot of freshmen yep. who, who go into college their freshman year is I think their expectations kind of get the best of them. Okay. And I talk to a lot of players that, that I mentor personally why goal setting is so important. Mm-hmm. Because I went into Clemson my freshman year as pretty much any other freshman. Yep. All right, you know, I'm going to make a statement. You know, I want to be all ACC freshman. I want to, you know, do this. I'm going to come and take your spot and all this. Yeah. And so my goals were more outcome-based. It was about how many minutes am I going to play? Uh, how, many, how many stats am I going to add up? Mm -hmm. And when stuff becomes more outcome-based and that stuff doesn't come off, yep. then that's when you start shutting down. Yeah. So yep. because my goals were to, you know, be this all ACC freshman and play this amount of minutes, when I wasn't playing minutes, when I wasn't performing well, I started dipping. Mm -hmm. So I think what happens to a lot of freshmen is they come in with these high expectations of trying to do, you know, a lot instead of focusing on the things that they can control. Mm. And that's what it's about, focusing on how they can be in pursuit of reaching their full potential while they're in college. Exactly. You got four years yep. or, or two if you decide to leave early. But what you do in those years, it's about controlling what you can control and trying to maximize every opportunity to reach that full potential. Yep, step by so, step. Step by step, exactly. So my message to a lot of freshmen is don't don't make your goals around the outcome. Mm. Make it around the process. What are you going to do day to day as a player to become better? Okay. And as you can see, a lot of the freshmen who do excel their freshman year – they're just focusing on getting better, uh, and if they do yeah. have a bad if they do have a bad game, 
then okay. Exactly. You brush it off. Brush it off and then keep going. Yep. But as a freshman, you know, it's, it's about the process. You know, it, it, it's a long process and it's about grinding mm-hmm. and focusing on what you can control. And yep. I think it'll be a lot, lot better transition than, than what I had because exactly. that was pretty hard for me. You said, you know, make sure you have a good mentality, a strong mentality, right? Yeah. How, for, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's people out here listening, like, wondering how, how do I keep a strong mentality when I give up an own goal? Or I did this, you know, and I gave up a pass in the 90th minute and then they scored on us. Like, how am I, how am I supposed to, you know, control my emotions and stay strong mentally? I think the one thing that I learned is that the mental side of the game is, is so hard okay. that it's very difficult to deal with on your own. And so for me, I'm a person who likes to be able to talk to people. So mm-hmm. for all those people listening, my mentality now has gotten very strong, but it was not like that at all. My, my, my freshman year, even my sophomore year. Yep. And like I said before, I look to go to a mentor um, to really help me um, with my mentality because it's easy to be like, oh, you know, brush it off. It's about the process, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But like when you're really into it and you turn over two passes, exactly. your coach is yelling at you, your teammates are saying you're crap. Man. It's really hard. It's hard. It's really hard, hard, right? It's hard. Even at the professional level, you know, I'm still still dealing with that stuff. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I would probably say is to confide in a mentor or, you know, maybe even your parents if they know the game. Having someone to talk to to really help you increase that mental strength. Watching, you know, different videos, doing mental strength exercises. Anything that you can do to increase your mentality will benefit you because it is very hard to deal with on your own. Okay. And talking to your teammates isn't isn't always the best either um, because, mm. like they always say, misery loves company. Ah. And that's something that I made a mistake of my freshman year. Mm-hmm. I wasn't playing. I wasn't doing well. And I would go and talk to some teammates. I'd be like, oh, man, like he should have played me here, like yep. uh, like all this and that. And you start to you know, get in a group of other players who are also going through the same thing. Exactly. But you're not really getting better. Yeah, you're it's just the same negative mindset, same right? Same negative mindset. You're surrounding yourself with negativity. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that you really confide in a mentor who can bring that positive you know, energy around you Absolutely. and actually push you to get better. Okay. So I think that that's what really helped me. I couldn't do it on my own. Yep. Um, you know, turning over two passes, you know, causing a goal, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough, man. Like, especially at, at a high level. Mm-hmm. So I, I really went to my mentor and I talked to my parents as well. And they really helped me to increase that mental strength. So I, that I've been able to build it since then. Nice. So we've covered the mental aspect, right? Coming yeah. in the mental aspect. And then you said, you know, during the summer of, you know, before, before coming into your junior year, yeah. you were working more on the tactical side. Yes. What are some things that you did to improve yourself tactically during that summer? Yeah, so um, probably one of the main things that I did before, and I kind of touched on it, was watching the game with a critical eye. And yep. so this is one of the things that I got one from one of my coaches at Clemson and also from a mentor as well. When I was watching games, don't watch the game as a fan. You know, watch yes. it as someone who's critiquing a game. Yep. I would have my notepad out and I would pick – um, two players in a game. So I would pick, um, at the time, it was a left back. So I picked the left back from one team, and I picked the left back from the other team. I would write down the stuff that they did well, and, you know, if it was playing on angles and, and breaking lines okay. and, and having their first first touch forward and nitpicking, not just about what they're doing on the ball, but how's their body shape before they receive the ball. Yep. Really watch the game with a critical eye and then seeing the types of things that they could have done better. Mm-hmm. And... From that moment on, when I really started to, you know, it might sound corny, but I really started to become a student of the game and started really learning and, and, yep. wa- and watching in, in a critical way mm-hmm. that helped me to it, increase my tactical side of the game. Absolutely. And so that when I was able to take that from a professional game, a very high level, and you bring it to the college game, like I said before, it starts to slow down. You start seeing things that you didn't see before, and you start to become more mindful uh, uh, of certain certain tactical stuff, yep. as well as the technical side as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that that really helped me to really actually become a student of the game. And one more thing to add to that yep, as well. Absolutely. Being a student of the game, the toughest part of being that is watching your own film, if you have that. Mm. There is nothing worse than playing a terrible game and then having to watch that film back over. Trust me. Like, I, I'm even having to do it sometimes at the professional level as well. Yep. I'll have a crap training session, 
and I'll have to watch that over and I'm just like, oh, why did I do that? But to be able to grow and to develop and to be a student of the game, yep. you have to be able to exactly. do the stuff, tough stuff and watch that film. Yep. So I think Learn watching professional games and watching your own film is mm -hmm. going to you know, come full circle. So. Yep. And I think another thing before we talk about the blow up, the thing I like about it is you are able to understand and realize your flaws and work on them. Yep. A lot of players tend to ignore it, tend to ignore it and just brush it off. And I think that that action is what... I think made you into the player that you are today, yeah. right? So then, leading now to junior year, talk to me about junior year now, man. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so uh, junior year, that was probably it's probably one of the best years of my life. Really, to, to be, that's probably the best year of, of my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a great year. Um, so I came back, did, did the work, you know, the summer before my junior year, and the team, it, it was it was different. The, the feeling of the team was different. We okay. had just lost to Marshall um, in the Sweet 16, yep. uh, the NCAA tournament, the season before, the COVID season. And we had sixth-year and fifth-year guys coming back. So the energy around the team was just different altogether, yeah. um, let, let alone just me as an individual. Mm -hmm. But everyone had a common purpose that, you know, this year was business. Exactly. It, it, it's, it was time. it's time. It's time. It's yep. time. And so I came in ready. Um, and I'll tell anyone this. I had nine goals and three assists on the season. Seven of those goals were either crappy goals or just like tap-ins. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was a bit of a tap-in merchant, but <laughs> that came from, you know, that tactical awareness, that anticipation. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of people will say like, aha, you know, those are just tap-ins. But it came from, you know, me really watching the game and, and anticipating. Yep, and analyzing. And analyzing different plays. And so, you know, I was on the money. I remember... The first six games of the season, I was the top goal scorer of the ACC, um, joint with, I think, DeAndre Kerr at the time. Yep. Um, I had six goals in six games, and I think DeAndre Kerr also had six goals in six games. Nice. Um, but then I ended up hitting a dip in my junior season, uh. and I didn't score um, until the ACC tournament. As a winger? As a winger. Mm -hmm. I had a real dip in my performance. Um, that was another thing that I had to overcome wasn't scoring goals, wasn't finishing my chances, things yeah. weren't coming off. Yep. I remember we played against FIU mm -hmm. and Louisville. Okay. And I was creating, I was playing very well, but I just wasn't scoring goals. And so from a mental standpoint, as a forward, like at the end of the day, your job is to score goals. Yeah, to score goals, yeah. And it just wasn't coming off for me. Ended up scoring versus UNC Chapel Hill. So that, you know, kind of got me back in the groove mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. the NCAA tournament. Yep. And Going into it, I had seven goals and one assist or two assists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the time, from a mental standpoint, I'm thinking, like, you know, I, I had to score goals. Yep. And that's why I was having a real dip in performance because my goals were starting to become more outcome-based. Ah, and yep, I, I started – all the hype was getting – all, you know, six goals in six games. Yeah, the, the hype, the media hype. The hype, the media. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really focused on what I needed to do in my process day-to-day. -day. I stopped doing individual work and finishing because yeah. I got a little too complacent. I was yep. finishing everything. Mm -hmm. Then when I stopped finishing everything – you know, but you, hit a, you hit a roadblock. Yeah, again. I hit a roadblock. So I had to get back to that, you know, and I think it's perfectly fine because sometimes we're, we're human. Yep. So sometimes that stuff happens. Mm -hmm. But it was the fact that I recognized that Once and I got did. back to the process, started doing mm -hmm. more finishing after training, started getting in on that. That's when I ended up scoring against Chapel Hill, mm -hmm. started, uh, you know, performing a lot better. Yep. And then so the team started started balling out and uh, the NCAA tournament. Wow. And then you had to adjust all that during the same season during the same season so um then to add to the story mm -hmm. in the louisville game that was the last regular season game of the season our striker mohammed say he um tore his acl and our other uh -oh. striker james brighton yep. tore his acl oh my South gosh. carolina so both of our strikers oh, had torn ACLs. Right before the playoffs? Right before the playoffs. And so as a team, it, it was the hardest thing because we had to readjust our formation. Everything, yep, everything, man. Everything. And we ended up going into a 4-3-2-1. And oh, I was okay. playing as the point, as, as the as nine. As a one. A, yeah, as, as the nine. And yep. I had never played nine before. You know, yep. I, I was a natural left back mm -hmm. who moved to winger, and now I'm playing number nine. Yep. So, and, and it's funny because when, 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 when we were in the car, I was asking you, like, talking to you as if you were a striker, and you're like, yeah. nah, I'm not a striker. Yeah. So you're moving, you're playing nine. What happened? So, like I said, again, 
you know, about that coachability, you know, and the humility to, to get better, mm-hmm. I had to adapt my game as a number nine because then there, there's whole different uh, a skill set that you need as a number Absolutely. nine. Absolutely. Um, whole new awareness. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm only 5'10". I'm, I'm not that tall. So mm-hmm. I'm going up against like 6'3", you know, D, D1 center backs. Yeah. So I had to increase my hold up play. Mm-hmm. When I first started playing that first... The first game, the NCAA tournament, it was against Denver. It was tough for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot of the ball because I'm, I'm playing number nine as a 5'10 winger yeah. who's never played that before. So mm-hmm. I'm having to adapt to playing with my back to goal a lot more. Yep. And so it was a grind. And so um, the game versus Denver, it was tough. Played that same formation again versus Kentucky. It was tough. Oregon State started adapting a little bit more. Okay. Yep. That was probably the toughest game of my college career. Mm, Toughest game of my college career. And that's probably the best college team that I played against personally. Really? Yes. Okay. First of all, the team was was insanely skilled. They had mm. they had players like um Sophie and Jeff Hall. Yep, um, yep. Who I think he's now at Austin yeah, FC. Yeah, Austin FC, yeah. Shout um, out. Um they had another player as well, Tiki Sabaling, mm-hmm. um, who's at FC Dallas. Just just ballers on the team. Yeah. And they were just killing us for the first half. But the team, the thing is about Clemson is that we were extremely mentally tough as as a team. Yeah, we were extremely oh, resilient. Yeah. So we stayed in the game. We hung in there. Yep. Um, some good heroics from from George Marks, goalkeeper at Charlotte FC, absolute beast. The back line was super solid, and we were able to hang in the game, score a penalty late in the game, and wow. we, we took them to PKs and beat them in PKs. Yeah. So what 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 game was that in the semis? It was Elite Eight. Oh, it was the Elite Eight. Okay. Toughest game ever, not only because of the opposition, but we're flying all the way from South Carolina to, to Oregon. Yeah. So it's across the country. And you're away, man. Away. It, it's, yep. it's wet. It's oh, rainy. You know, they, they say, can you do it on a, on a cold, rainy night in Stoke? Mm-hmm. Can you do it on a cold, cold rainy night in Corvallis, <laughs> Oregon? Yep, yep. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, we ended up doing it, but it was so tough, man. Um, credit to Oregon State. Absolute quality program. Um, but we were able to, to stick in there, and um, we ended up getting the result. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then moving into the semifinal game mm-hmm. right before the national championship game where, you know, I kind of um, really blew up. Mm-hmm. The Notre Dame game, I did not play well. Oh, okay. Um, I was playing as the number nine again. Yep. Um, Notre Dame, they're very known for their physicality and, and their oh, greatness. Oh, yeah, I heard about that, yep. And I was playing up against center backs like Philip Quentin, um, who now play at Columbus Crew. He's mm-hmm. like he's like 6'5". And it was tough for me. Mm-hmm. Didn't see a lot of the ball. Some of the balls that I was getting, my touches weren't clean. I'll be the first to say it. I just wasn't having a good game. Mm-hmm. And I ended, up, I ended up getting taken out of the game, and Coach put in Moha. Moha was still playing on a torn ACL. Really? He was still playing on a torn ACL to, oh, to finish out the season. Yep. And I remember before the national championship game, the commentators were talking to Coach Noonan, and they were like, why would you take out Reed? You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's your healthy forward. And he was like, he just wasn't playing up to the standard. And so – you know, like I said before, from a mentality standpoint, you got to be super strong. Mm-hmm. You it's, have to be, man. You it's have so to be. hard hearing that from your coach. That Absolutely. He took me out and he played a player with a torn ACL because I just wasn't playing yep. good enough. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't good enough. But instead of going back to that mental state yep. that I was my freshman year, I took it as an opportunity to be like, you know what? I'm going to be better. Exactly. I'm going to be better. And yep. then when I woke up that Sunday on December 12th mm. for the national championship, mm. It just felt different. Different. I, I was coming different. You know, I saw, I watched the Notre Dame game. I was seeing all the stuff that, you know, I wasn't doing before. And I was yep. like, I'm going to make a difference today. Wow. First thing, one of the first goals I had, it wasn't a score. It wasn't an assist. It was just my effort, my anticipation, and my attitude. Mm. First goal that I scored, the keeper ended up whiffing it. A lot of people say, yeah, you know, it was luck and this and that. But if it wasn't for the anticipation mm-hmm. and the effort to track down Absolutely. that ball, the Absolutely. goal would have never happened. Yep. Scored that goal. You know, I was kind of feeling myself. And then the second goal, I mean, header into the top corner. Man, that was beautiful. It, it, was it, beautiful. It's a goal that I might not ever score again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anything can happen in a national Absolutely. championship. Absolutely. And so that I can, I can really think that I can hang my hat on that performance because – Having such a bad game in the semifinals, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of players would be like, you know, shying away exactly, from opportunities. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I'm really proud of myself in that aspect because I, I didn't shy away from the you opportunity. You stepped to the challenge. I stepped to the challenge. Absolutely. So, and ended off the junior career with national championship and offensive MVP of, wow. of the game. So it was nice. Yep. So after you scored that second goal and the final whistle blew, 
and you guys did it. How did it feel, man? What was the emotion finally overcoming these challenges, overcoming these obstacles, and you made it happen? How did it feel? That's the best feeling of my life. I, I that it it was amazing. More so because I deal with my brothers. Mm. You know, I'll be the first one to say it. That national championship team was extremely special. Not even just the starting 11. Yep. All 30 guys are part of that team. That's probably what I'm most proud of. It, not not the two goals in the national championship, but the fact that I won it with that team. Mm. Because the main core of the team was the same team that lost to Marshall in the Sweet 16. Yep. And we came back. And we faced all this adversity. Our captain having to sit out because he tore his ACL. Yep. Um, Moha also tearing mm-hmm. his ACL. Mm-hmm. Bunch of different challenges. And through everything, we still you guys we stuck still it did out. It. You guys stuck it out. And I remember we we were on the bus ride back, and we we had um, a little little after party at, at SO and in Clemson. I remember just started bawling crying. That was the first time I started bawling crying in front of anyone cause, because. The, the joy absolutely that you just I, I overwhelmed felt. man I was overwhelmed mm-hmm. um because it was a dream come true you know being from South Carolina and you know the South Carolina kid was the one that scored the two goals for Clemson mm-hmm. to win oh man it just all came full circle when I yep. started thinking about that I, I was overwhelmed and I started I started it's a dream, crying. It's a dream story right here yeah it, it was crazy man yeah so. so after all of that man the ups and downs after the game the joy after the game the next morning how did you feel when it was all said and done? It was amazing. It, it was like it finally had settled down. Mm-hmm. And I really just stepped back and looked at him and was like, wow, that, that really just happened. Absolutely. That is something that um, 100% that I'm going to be telling a story to my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's We literally just made history. And, you know, when I'm done with my playing career and, you know, we're going to be visiting Clemson, that 2021 national championship team, will be remembered Absolutely. forever. And yep. so thinking about that is it's, it's pretty dope. So yeah. Nice. So after that performance, we all know, you know, some some MLS teams started, started looking at you, man. So what was the next step for you after that iconic game? So um, kind of funny to say there's actually more adversity to my uh, story. Okay. Um, so what a lot of people don't know, it, it definitely wasn't all sunshine and rainbows after the national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to go through more adversity. Um, yep. You know, that's just sometimes God's plan for you. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Just got to deal with that stuff. But mm-hmm. in April, I ended up having a sports hernia. And so I had to get surgery on my birthday, April 22nd. Oh, no. Had surgery on my birthday, and um, I was out pretty much the whole summer recovering and trying to get back for my yep. senior season. Yep. Um, a little bit of good news. I, I was elected captain, uh, co-captain with Alvaro mm. Gomez. Mm-hmm. Amazing guy. Give mm-hmm. him a little shout out. Um, but I wasn't completely healthy. Come back my senior season. And after having such a great junior campaign and everything, Absolutely. my senior season was very lackluster okay. and not not a dream. Okay. Um, probably one of my toughest seasons as well after my freshman season. Mm-hmm. I came into the season not not healthy, having to deal with my sports hernia, having to sit out of games, very inconsistent. I ended the, the season injuries. All the injuries, man. Exactly. Ended the season on only 3 goals yep. after having a good junior campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, my sports hernia wasn't completely healed um, throughout the season. Really? And then when I started feeling better, yep. um, playing against Syracuse, the next game after that, I ended up going up for a header, and Moha, he falls on top of me, ended up bruising my, my knee, my MCL, the side of my MCL. Oh, ended no. Ended up bruising it. And so it wasn't terrible. I could still run on it. I could play on it, but I yep. wasn't, I wasn't, you know. You weren't 100%. I was 100%. You know? And so I was having to play not on 100%. Yep. And everything just wasn't going well. And I was like, I think, I think I'm going to have to stay for a fifth year. I literally went from being on top of the world exactly. of college soccer to having the potential of staying for a fifth year and having to do it again because mm-hmm. I just wasn't healthy. Yep. And I remember, again, you know, I'll be the first to admit it, that, you know, football is tough, man. It's, it's, it, it is not easy. And I remember after a training session, is after we, the team was even, you know, going through a different performance, I was in my car and I just ended up crying um, because... I I was like I'm gonna have to stay for fifth year. Yeah, this isn't what I thought was gonna happen. And one of my teammates, um, I'll give him a, a big shout out, Usman Silla. Shout out. Huge baller. Big things gonna you know be coming his way. Mm-hmm. He came to me when when I was crying in my car after training. Yeah. And he came to me. He's like, 
bro, it's, it's going to be fine. God has a plan for you. Amen. Whatever you're going Amen. through right yep. now, the, the sun is going to shine. It's not going to rain forever. And I really appreciate that that talk from him because I was in a really low point. Yep. I, I wasn't playing. You know, I, I wasn't 100%. MLS scouts were, you know, not really on my radar at wow. all. So from the national championship, people weren't really looking at me. Yeah, it was tough. Yep. Um, but I ended up getting healthy. Mm-hmm. Ended up, you know, starting to play well through the end of the season. Yep. And you held well, strong, man, through the dip again. Through the dip again. Right. And then you had the highest of the high at that point. And yep. then a big came dip. all the way back down. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up getting an invite to the MLS College Combine. Nice. Um, praise be to God. That was what, your senior year? Senior year. Yep. And so that was where I really took my opportunity. Thank um, God, man. Then I moved back to left back at the yep. MLS Combine, mm-hmm. ironically enough. Um, played very well there. Um, got a lot of interest from a ton of MLS clubs. Um, and at the Combine, like, you'll get, like, um, interviewed by different different teams. Okay. And so I got interviewed by, like, 10 MLS teams. And, wow. And Houston was one of them. Yep. And so, um, how know, did how, how does that whole interview thing go? Like, walk me through that. Yeah, I mean, you, you play at the Combine mm-hmm. in scrimmages, and then MLS clubs can, you know, just take you in the interview process and interview you about, you know, who you are as a player, what you can bring to the team, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so I had um, interview processes with, you know, uh, a decent bit of MLS clubs, so mm-hmm. things were starting to look up, and you know from that moment on, things started to trend upward. And so, um, you know, it it was a great feeling because my college career was like up and down and yeah. up and down, and yep. it went really up, and then it went really, really down, down. And, and then you know then I was uh, drafted to to Houston, so wow. it was it was nice, you know, everything coming full circle. Yep. So. And you were you were able to just hold strong mentally throughout yeah. that big dip. You know, shout out to that to the to your Usman Usman Silla, Usman Silla yeah. for that. Yeah. So when you signed that contract, how did it feel? How did how did your parents feel when you finally signed your first professional contract? My my parents just just started crying because that's just twenty one years of, of hard work of grind and yep. um you know credit to my parents for staying by me the whole way mm-hmm. and you know teaching me things that have allowed me to be great mm-hmm. such as you know the humility and the mental strength um things that i can hang my hat on that have really um helped me to excel my game and to get the success that i had so it was just a really good moment but for me when i signed that contract it wasn't as it wasn't like oh yeah you know it's all great for me it was like mm. it's, it's work yep it's time Absolutely. to get better yeah um it's time to move on to the next. It's time to move on to the next, you know, because um, it was an MLS Next Pro contract. Um, it wasn't a first-team contract, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's my first pro contract. Yep, so, yep. you know, nonetheless, uh, I'm going to take that. But for me, you know, I'm always going to want more mm-hmm. in my career. Always, always. And the one thing that I can truly hang my hat on and be proud of is that I'm not scared to find out how good I am. Mm. I think a lot of players, they sometimes can be scared about how good they can really be. Yep. And there's that fear of failure. There's that fear yep, of absolutely. doing everything you can in yep. your power mm-hmm. and you just not being good enough. There's always going to be that fear of failure. But for me, I, I don't have that fear. I'm not afraid to find out how good I am. Mm-hmm. If I give my all at the professional level and I'm just not good enough, yep. then so be it. Exactly. I'm going to exactly. do everything I can. I'm going <clears> to <throat> do extra training, do everything that I did at the college level. I'm going to even increase that. Mm-hmm. It's about what I'm challenging a lot of other young footballers, seeing how much better I can make myself. And if I can do that and focus on reaching my full potential, then I'm going to have a successful pro career. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So that's what I'm in the pursuit of right now um, at, at Houston Dynamo. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, it, it's tough at the professional level. The, the different stages you go up, you have new challenges. Yep, and then apparently coming from, you know, uh, Clemson to playing to playing in the, in the MLS <clears throat> next is a big difference, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, for me, through the ups and the downs, whether I have a good performance, if, you know, whether I'm with the first team or not this yep. week or that week, if mm-hmm. I have a bad game, yep. for me, mentally, it's always about managing the highs and lows. It's always about staying in the middle and continuously getting better every single day yep, gradually. so that I can be in pursuit of reaching my full potential. Um, And that's what I tell a lot of players that I do mentorships with them. And so um, that's what I tell a lot of players. And that's what I tell myself. It's just about finding out how good you are. Mm -hmm. And in that pursuit, you just really got to stay mentally strong. Absolutely. Nice. How's the, you know, the the MLS experience coming along? How is it getting used to the environment? Getting used to the industry? Because it's an entirely different industry compared to, you know, college, right? So how's that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty dope. Um, I'm really enjoying it. 
Um, like I said, um, my main thing, my main purpose is to find out how good I am. And being in a professional environment is going to really test to see how Absolutely. good I can be. Absolutely. Um, so it's nice. You know, um, you know, I'm with the MLS Next Pro Team right now, Houston mm-hmm. Dynamo 2. Mm-hmm. Really good program, great coaching staff. And the thing that I really like about Houston is that Everything is all in-house, and it's all together. Mm. So um, I was in preseason with the first team um, for, like, like the first two weeks, um, and then I was with the second team. I've gotten in trainings with the first team. So you're moving up and down a lot. Uh, okay. You're getting first-team experience no matter what. Nice. You're always being pushed up, um, you know, to be better with the first team. So I think it's really cool that you can get your minutes and, and develop with the mm-hmm. second team, mm-hmm. but also, you know, always you know being looked at for opportunities with the first team so they're constantly um looking to push players up so i think that's pretty dope nice so So before we close i know we we've been we've been you've been given some advice the entire pod but is there any like core advice you would like to give to a lot of american players that want to go to a good you know college that want to make it to them unless i want to go pro even players in europe that are listening that want to go pro or want to play any advice you want to give them final advice yeah I think the main advice that I would give is to run your own race. Mm. I found that in my career that when you focus on what you can control and you focus on the process, that it's going to be a lot better than focusing on other players. Mm. Focusing on what you can do as an individual and recognizing that there's ways for you to get better is only going to help you in your career. I see a lot, you know, especially on social media and even just talking to people, a lot of people are like, oh, he's got this. He, he's got that. Oh, how is he on that team? He wasn't even that good, exactly. all this and that. Yeah, yeah. And talking about certain players, those are their blessings. Exactly. Those are the blessings that God has for them. Amen. And God is going to have certain blessings for you as well. And it's about running your own race mm-hmm. and recognizing that you have a plan. Amen. Trusting in that plan and doing everything in your power yep. to invest in that plan. Exactly. And I think you're going to be in in a better spot that way. Like I said before, there is going to be that opportunity of failure. You might do everything in your power and still not be good enough, Mm -hmm. but at the end of your career, at the end of the day, you can know that you gave your all and that there's not going to be any excuses and no regrets. Exactly. At least you knew you you did it. You tried your best. You did it. And also remember to have faith. Have faith in God, right? Have faith in God that he'll help you through through your, your obstacles and your challenges and that he'll also be there through your ups. So, yeah. Well, I thank you so much for coming to the podcast, man. It was such a privilege to have you on. Dropping some knowledge on these boys real quick. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for coming on, on, on the podcast, man. It's been an honor having you on. I'll see you next time.